Their illustrious careers have spanned decades with no sign of stopping. For these stage veterans, it has truly been an actor's life. Hi, I'm Gordon Cox from Variety for the American Theatre Wing, and today we have a distinguished group of performers joining us to share their stories of life on the stage. Philip Bosco, John Cullum, Marion Seldes, and Carol Shelley. Welcome. What do you all consider your first big break, and is that any different from what you think of as your first creative breakthrough as an actor? My break came when something that I resisted. I auditioned for Joe Papp for Measure for Measure. Uh -huh. And this is, I was working in the Arena Stage in Washington at the time. Uh -huh. I was very happy because I'd just gotten out of college and had, uh, I think, one or two children at that point, I can't remember. And we were having a nice life. And when uh, Alan Schneider had come to New York, and I'd, I'd known Alan, and he uh, told me he wanted me to do Angelo and Measure for Measure. And I had to come up and audition for Joe Papp. I'd, I'd heard of Joe Papp, but I'd never met him. So I came up and was promptly turned down. I think Joe thought I was too pompous and too much of this or whatever that. And Alan said, I know him. Uh, I've just done the season with him at the arena stage, and he's better than you think. Uh, he's, I want him to come back. So I auditioned three times for Joe Patton. He turned me down three times. And Alan insisted I, he have me. He said, I, I want him to play this. I know what he can do. So it was Alan's insistence that I got Angelo, and I came to New York, and that was it. So God bless us. Yeah, yeah, he was quite a guy. He was. I was the understudied everybody. I understudied you. I understudied uh, uh, Mark Leonard. I understudied uh, Jack Cannon in Tell Me It's True. And to another major part. And then also I understudied James, James Ray in Henry V and, and the chorus. I'll be done. And the way I got in, got in way, that was my break, was when I came to the theater one night, and, um, and Joe Papp came up and said, uh, John, at half hour, and I'm putting on my makeup, I was, I was playing uh, in Measure for Measure, the Duke of Orleans, I think. He said, you're going to have to read for the chorus because Lou Cimino sprained his knee. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and I remember so that. he went out and made an announcement that Mr. Cullum will graciously, of course, he'll have to read the book. And, and everybody knows, oh, for a muse of fire. Yes, a, so <laughs> I, I came out, I just tore the stage apart. <laughs> oh, for a muse of fire. And then the rest of the night I crept around with a flashlight. <laughs> but, but somebody saw me, Bud Whitney, who was Alan J. Lerner's assistant, saw me do that. And so they were, they were casting Camelot, and I had this manager who kept putting me up for musicals, and I hated it. I was terrified of singing. I've never gotten over auditioning for musicals. It's the most terrifying thing for but me. But you have a good voice. Well, I didn't in those days. I, don't, I, I, couldn't, I always sang sharp when I got nervous. <laughs> and, uh, and I could never remember the lyrics. And, uh, but they were looking for somebody who had a Shakespearean background. Mm -hmm. Do you remember how much we got paid for that gig? Couldn't have been No, but you much. do. <laughs> no, because it was so, and we worked for six weeks. Yes. I think we rehearsed for three and played for three, something That's like right. that. Total, for six weeks, $165. <gasps> yeah, that's a, that, I, I had worked. $20 a week we got for rehearsal. Yeah. And I bounced it up to 35, I get whatever it is that comes out to 165. Well, I and remember that's how cheap we were. I remember when we did with, I worked with the Shakespeare Rights, a small Shakespearean company. Yeah, I, rem I remember that. And uh, they, they bumped the salaries up, I was non-equity, and they bumped the salaries up to $26 because, because <laughs> the unemployment was 25. <laughs> that's funny. Oh, we, that's yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. And Have you ever done a musical? Have I? Yes. Yes, I <gasps> played Julie in Showboat. And I, <clears throat> with a man who had played it with uh, Helen Morgan. Oh, my God. Which made it rather hard for me. Yes, of course. <laughs> but, and I also was in a, a failure that was fascinating to be in, which was called Annie Two. Oh, yes. It closed in Washington. It never came to New York. I find it thrilling. And the last musical I've been in was at the Metropolitan Opera House. Oh, oh I, I saw, saw it. you. You did? Yes. yes, I saw you in it. Did you? Of course. But it was all in French. Uh, yes. Yes, it was all in French well, and what funny. Was it, oh, 
the feeder regiment. Oh, okay. With mm -hmm. the yeah. incredible Natalie Doucet. Oh, oh wasn't she amazing? I do And of course, that. to hear the music. I, yeah, I remember seeing. I, I, I'm not a singer, of course, and did not sing in the, in the opera. It was a speaking part. But, uh, but the sound of the music is so lovely. And also, particularly if you've heard in a, in, a, in a rehearsal of a musical to just the piano, the first time you hear the orchestra, it makes you really cry. It does. And I have such a love of singers because, because I can't sing, perhaps. I mean, I think a great singer can do a play in one song, can go through something yeah. that is as fulfilling as a, almost a whole play that we can mm -hmm. do. It's wonderful. Wow. I, I wanted to be a Shakespearean actor. That's what I wanted to be. And then I ended up in Camelot, and then I went from one musical to the next musical. And, um, and I remember my agent, when I did Death Trap, mm -hmm. sent me a telegram. Yes. And it, the only thing he said on it is, just, remember, there is no overture. <laughs> oh, that's sweet. Because <laughs> he was afraid I'd miss my entrance. <laughs> <laughs> that was Bob Moore directed that, wasn't it? Yes, yes. brilliantly. Yeah. Brilliantly. Yeah. Wonderful Bob Moore. Mm -hmm. mm. Miriam could c tell you the story because I didn't get a chance to work with him much. He was wonderful. The fascinating thing about Death Trap was it was, to me, like a perfect watch, you know, that everything worked. Mm -hmm. And, and, and the precision was so important. It, I think you'll appreciate this, darling, because you did come in after it was running, but <clears throat> the dress rehearsal was flawless. There was no mistake. He had it all figured out. He That's was amazing. a wonderful director. Yeah, he was. And a wonderful guy. And very yeah. demanding, uh, too. Uh, we first met at school, of course. Mm -hmm. That's how I knew him. Mm -hmm. My wife was in love with him. Oh, God. <laughs> before we <laughs> but married you. together. Yeah. <laughs> no, he, was a, he was a wonderful guy. Died much too sweet. Did you know him, Bob? I did. I knew him. I didn't work with him, it's, which wonderful is a shame. Fascinating guy. Speaking of shows like Death Trap, yeah. in which you were in for five years, was yeah. it? Uh, what is it like as an actor to participate in the long run like that. What is that? How does that affect your, your daily life and your creative life? What's that like for you? I think it I'm sorry, Tom. Well, I, I thought I'd say that all the time I was in Death Trap, which was five years, and the three years I was in Equus, mm. I also taught at Juilliard. Oh. But I was much younger than I am now. I could never do that now. Mm. So I would leave Juilliard and go downtown to the Music Box Theatre where I had a lovely dressing room, and, and rest, and then do the play. It gives you a sense of uh, belonging to the New York theater community that's wonderful. And then when the eight years on Broadway were over, I felt bereft. <laughs> I thought, this isn't my street anymore, or my theater anymore. And the next play I was in ran five performances. So oh, it makes yeah. you but I think people always say, well, how did you do it all that time? Well, there's a wonderful phrase that William Gillette, a great American actor, said he played Sherlock Holmes for years mm -hmm. and years. And people would constantly say to him, how can you play the same part? And he would say, the important thing in the theater is the illusion of the first time. Once you've heard that phrase, you can never forget it. Mm -hmm. The audience has never seen it, and you are not supposed to have lived it before. <laughs> Just remember that, and you do it. And the audience in Death Trap was so excited to be there because it was a success. Most long runs are good plays. Indeed. I think they're occasional lemons, but I don't know them. <laughs> well, I could name them lemon. for you, but I'd be embarrassed. <laughs> I, 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 I think a lot has to do with how... how <clears throat> rich the part is yes and how you can go on discovering yes oh yeah something f just a little bit fresh which will carry you through for the next month yes and and then you build on that yes and you discard something tell else tell them some of the neil simon things and things that you've done for a long time you, yes yeah. well i was brought over to do the odd couple yes and stayed 
Thank that's, God. That's Thank all God. there was to that. I liked it. I loved it. Oh, yes. The Odd Couple, my God. That was a wonderful show. That was 19, it opened in 1965. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I have an interesting story I think your yes. viewers will enjoy. I was doing Summer Sock in Maryland. And you remember Myron McCormick? Yes. Oh, of course. Came down South Pacific. to play the lead in Death of a Salesman. And he was quite good. Well, we used to gather in the house next to the theater. It was Olney. Do you remember Olney? Any of you ever played Olney in Maryland? Anyway, and we're, uh, the show's over, and we're all sitting around, and Myron, of course, was the, uh, the, well, uh, the oldest and the most successful of the, of the actors gathered there, and we were much younger. So we're, and I remember one, one of the actors saying, Mr. McCormick, he said, uh, how many shows have you done in New York? You've been there for many years. He said, oh, well, actually, I've been on Broadway for 20-some-odd years, whatever it was. And he said, I've only done three shows. Ah. And we all looked at each other. And said, ah, no. but, but he said, yeah, no, I mean your whole career. He said, well, that's it. And they, we were all puzzled. He said, well, I did Mr. Roberts for six years. I did South Pacific for seven years. And I did No Time for Sergeant for seven years, whatever. You know, he, just, he did these all. And then all those years, my heavens. Talk about a paycheck. I mean, he, can you imagine having to do three shows in 21 years or whatever it was? It takes a, something I couldn't do. Oh, boy. How much does an audience affect your performance each night and then affect your uh, approach to a role in a long run? Well, I don't think it should. Mm. I think you should affect it, but I don't mm. think it should affect you. Yeah. Sure. I think it uh, distorts terribly. If you listen to them and play along, mm -hmm. uh, I think you're destroying your own work unnecessarily because... I agree. Yes? Absolutely. Especially if, you, if, it's, if you're doing a one-person show, it might <laughs> but you, have to, you have an obligation to your fellow actors. You can't take off on a whim because the audience feels such a... You are a part of a team. Well, so that kind I, of governs I, I, it. I had a, the night before last, I had a, a situation where the audience definitely affected me. But I have to admit that it... In August, Osage County? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I have a, a, like a, a four, 15 or 16-minute uh, almost monologue, mm -hmm. and uh, and it's easy to get lost there. And uh, uh, I go read through the play each night before, and then go through it uh, while I'm waiting for it in the wings. I go over the first section of it. That night before last, I started talking to Bob Foxworth about one of the other plays that uh, Letts had written, and we got off into religion, and I got very uncomfortable. I didn't go through the play. And then I, I ran downstairs to stand in the wings and go through the play. And the girl who sits there and talks to me, um, Samantha Ross, uh, started talking to me. And I, I didn't get a chance to go through the play again. And then she made a couple of remarks. She said, I like it, that scene where, when you say thus and such to me. And I started thinking about it. And she says, and I like it when you play it Excuse very me. slowly. And I started so I go out on stage, <laughs> and uh, and then just as the lights hit me, I I know went through my mind. The director is in the house. She's only seen me once. <laughs> so I start into the play, and then and the matinee before we'd had this wonderful house, and we had a rather large house on Thursday night. And I started in the play, and they were responding to nothing that I did. See, so I'm beginning to think: Am I going too fast? Was was Samantha right? I should slow it down, or or should I do it? And I'm thinking: Is the what is the director thinking about all this? And then I suddenly realized that there was a long pause. And nobody was saying anything, and I'm the only person who's supposed to be talking. And I didn't know what in the world to say. I didn't know where I was. And there was this huge gap. And thankfully, I'm, I'm supposed to be drinking, so I started drinking and drinking and drinking, trying to figure out where I was. But that I finally got back into it. But there was a case where it was the audience who finally dominated me. They, I yeah. was so afraid of them, and I, I thought it's I'm worse when you do it to music. <laughs> when you go up in the middle of a song, oh boy, and the inevitability of the orchestra just keeping going, and you are sitting there, <laughs> mute. 
That is terrifying. What do you it do? Must be. What do you do? Well, it happened to me. I think the first week of playing uh, our alternate conductor um, in, in Billy Elliot, in Billy right Elliot yeah. um, was conducting, and I hadn't heard over the loudspeaker that that's what was happening that day. And I caught his eye and went, who are you? I mean, in my brain. <laughs> and the words went. Bless his heart, he started mouthing them. But I'm so short-sighted, I couldn't see what he was saying. <laughs> Getting closer to him and closer. And I'd pick up on a word and I just sort of threw it into the hopper and luckily managed to get back on track. But it, it felt like 10 minutes, but I'm, I was told I nobody noticed. <laughs> That's the best thing when somebody says, yeah, well, of course you did. Nobody noticed. And you think, That's how dreadful is my performance most yes. nights? Is it as bad as that? Oh, that's really scary. It is. Marion, you're looking very scared. <laughs> well, I think, I think what, what you said that hit me about the most is that even when someone you're playing with goes up and you want to help them, yeah. you're never quite sure mm. if you should or not. Right. And, and it's true, that moment seems like 15 minutes. And people you say don't remember, You don't remember there was a night on, or, or an afternoon or whenever it was in Death Trap? Yes. That I got lost in right in pretty much close to the top of the scene. That yes. would have been about 15 minutes. Yes. And um, there was no way you could pick it up because no. I had given you the wrong line and you looked at me and I <laughs> got so angry with myself that I sat down at, on, on, at the... At the uh, you were sitting on the on the on the settee, and mm -hmm. I sat down on the settee. I said, "I'm I'm not going to ask for this. I'm going to start from the top of the show and figure this out." <laughs> and you sat there very patiently for about well, I don't know. It felt like an hour and a half, but it was probably about a minute. Yeah. And then you got up calmly and walked up and left me out there fuming. Yes. And went out and got the line, came back in, gave the line, and we started off. Yeah. I, I'll never forget that. I remember that now, but but. I, you see, the reason I couldn't help you sooner was that I was so frightened of you as the character. You see? <laughs> you Remember, are, you yes, dominated my that's life. That's right, that's right. Have you ever right. experienced this? I'm sure you have, where a, a leading player in the company is out for illness or whatever. Yes. And the younger study goes on. Yeah. And everybody's so concerned, yes. in the, the, the company, so concerned about the understudy. Mm -hmm. And the understudy is generally, you know, we all kind of defer, yes. make yes. allowances. And oftentimes the understudy, I, this happened to me a number of times, the understudy will be remarkably fluent in the first performance mm -hmm. because out of sheer terror, yeah. you know, and the words will come out. They may not be acted terribly well, but all the words are there. And you know everybody breathed a tremendous sigh of relief that we got through the bloody play, but the second time, oh. it almost always is a disaster because he felt like, wow, <laughs> I really did it. Now, now the terror comes out, and nobody knows what the hell to do. Oh yes, that's true. So the understudy show. I, I can't remember the name of the lady, but she understudied. Uh, St. Joan in, uh, I can't remember which Joan it was, it was up at Lincoln Center anyway, and uh, she went through it, she was, uh, she was also our coach, our speech coach, I can't remember her name, you don't, you don't recognize her, but she went through, out of sheer terror, she went through it almost at rocket speed. <laughs> The words came out with such a and such a high tone, and it never changed. And changing everything the same way, like that. Like that. And he got right down. Oh shit, terror! I'll never forget. A lot of times when the other study goes on, it's the people around them that screw up because they're, they're so yes, worried yes. about it. Yes, that's right. Yeah. But that all is. of us have been that standby or that understudy, yeah. mm -hmm. and it's thrilling when you get the wonderful. chance to it's do it. It's a wonderful. I've never done it. You've never done it? No. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be no. monopolizing no, no, it. No, no, but I, I only understudied once in my life, and I'll never do it again because I was terror-stricken. Terror-stricken. Yeah. I understudied in Man for All Seasons. I understudied three small roles. Well, they weren't small. Two of them were substantial. The King, the Duke, and an, another role. Three, three roles mm -hmm. for four months. Mm. Never once went on in any of them. But I was petrified almost yeah. every night. Yeah. I'd wait for the phone call when I was at home, you know, oh my God. <laughs> Terror, never do it again.
scares the hell out of me. I understudied Geraldine Page when she was in black comedy. Oh, yes. And um, <clears throat> uh, sat at home, terrified that yes. they would call, because it was very mouthy. She had two leading roles in black comedy mm. and white. Yes. White something. Uh, Tragedy. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Anyway, one night I got the dreaded call at, at the 15 yeah. minute. Oh, and wow. it was get in a cab, get to the theater, she, she can't go on. <gasps> Oh I didn't God. even have enough money for the cab <laughs> and, and to live for the rest of the week. Nevertheless, I got in a cab, rushed to the theatre, rushed through the stage door, and there's the stage manager standing there saying, it's all right, she's fine, she's going on now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was furious. I was furious and drenched and didn't even have the money to get a bus home. I, I think I had to walk. Anyway, cut a long story short, I th that was the time I th said to myself, I will never never understudy again. Mm -hmm. Years later, she and I worked together, and I thought, shall I tell her? No, it'll be my secret. <laughs> yes, <laughs> she, yes. So we had a wonderful time working together. Yes, yeah, she was uh, a wonderful lady. It was a horror story, because you never got a chance to, yeah. to do it, yeah. well, to get rid of it. <laughs> I was totally grateful I didn't. <laughs> but sometimes, if you have a wonderful stage manager, and the understudy rehearsals are interesting, it can be a very satisfactory thing to do. I, I once stood by for Irene Worth oh. in Tiny Alice. Oh, oh, yes. And the scenes she plays are with the, the man, in this case played by John Gilgood. I began my whole career with John Gilgood because he directed uh, Judith Anderson in Medea. Oh. And I adored him to this point where once one of the uh, assistants of, of his said to me, you know, <clears throat> you must stop staring at John in rehearsal because he can't work. <laughs> I said, I don't stare at him. And of course I did. <laughs> I never took my eyes off him. Well, <clears throat> now here I am with my idol playing Miss Alice, grand lady, the dominant figure in the scene. And one of the things that happens is she opens her negligee and she wraps him in it and holds him to her stomach. Well, <clears throat> this is my idol. And, you wouldn't let him go. And, and I didn't want to disturb his hair piece. <laughs> and so when I took, when I, then you have to take the uh, negligee and open it again so he can get away. And he did. And then I moved a little. And after we did it, he said to me, do you always move after I get up? And I thought, always? We've never done it before. <laughs> <laughs> it was so exciting oh, to do that. It must have been. Oh, I was in oh. heaven. Well, I have to tell a Gil Gilgood story. Yes. Um, I had been Richard's... Well, most of my excitement came from understudying, the major part of my career, you know? You were, because yeah. I was Richard's understudy, and I got to go on for him. That's right. But, but you were right, yeah. you know, Bob Billy. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, Bob Milley ended up in, in, in Hamlet, with, and I ended up in Hamlet, too. Mm -hmm. But uh, uh, I went to read for, for Hamlet. Now, I had been in a couple of productions of Hamlet, and I had read for Laertes, and so I knew the play. And I was understudying the two leads in the rehearsal at the same time and, and, and rehearsing an off-Broadway play at the same time. And uh, uh, so... I, I, I looked over this scene that Laertes has, uh, my necessaries are in Boston, mm -hmm, and this mm -hmm. big, long, convoluted <coughs> speech, and I, and I knew that it was almost always cut. So I said, oh, well, I, I won't worry, worry about that. So, so, I won't worry about I that. Because I know the rest of the play. And, um, <laughs> so the next day I came, I came to, to read, I guess it was the Royale at the time, and Sir John came down and said, Mr. Cullen, Richard says you're a good actor. And I said, well, thank you. He says, what, what would you like to read? And I said, well, it doesn't matter to me. Anything, anything you want, I, I know. <laughs> so. He said, well, you know, one of my favorite lines is, my necessities are in bond. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
So I've never been able to get through. I can never make sense of the damn thing. <laughs> so I'm up there and I, re I read through this speech, you know, and he's in the back of the theater. And from the back of the theater, I hear, Richard says you're a good actor. <laughs> so he walks down and he says, well, thank you. Thank you, Mr. Cullum. And, and I'm thinking, well, yes, sir. And, I, and as I'm going out the door, I hear him say one more time, Richard thinks he's a good actor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, gosh. Oh, my. Uh, and, and of course, he, he didn't. And Richard made him read me. And mm -hmm. of course, I prepared very well for it. Did but, you get uh, the part? Yeah, I got okay. the part. But that was mo mainly Richard's. And I know that Sir John had a lot. I, he, he said to me, I'm right in front, of, uh, you know, front of God and everybody. John, oh John, you're so colloquial. <laughs> oh. oh my God! And so I went to him one night time and then I said, and I said, Is there anything that you can tell me? He says, I see, I see Laertes, John, in a pink shirt. <laughs> <laughs> and so I got myself a pink shirt and I played this. Do you know I've heard that story and I didn't know it was you? That was me. Oh, I That's a it. famous, yeah. famous line. How do you see Laertes? I see him in a pink shirt. Yes. That's lovely. Uh, and another time, another time, uh, I'm doing this scene. My necessaries are embarked with, uh, with uh, Ophelia. And. Uh, that's when he said, you're so colloquial. And then the next time we did the scene, he started to demonstrate. And then he started into the scene. He did the entire scene with her. And then I realized that he must have played Laertes or he played Hamlet so many times that he knew the play by heart. Of course he but, must have. Uh, and everybody gathered around and they applauded afterwards. <laughs> and uh, I said to him, I wanted to kill him, of course, but I said, Sir John, I said, I do hope you don't expect me to be that good. <laughs> he said, oh, 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 dear boy, he said. <laughs> <laughs> now there, I can tell you some more stories, but I won't bother. I have one that you, I think you'll find funny. Uh, when I first went to college, I had just I hadn't turned 18 yet, so I was the young kid in the department. This is at the Catholic University Speech and Drama Department. Uh, and they were the first production of that season. Now remember, I had I had I just I, I went down early to sign up in the gymnasium. You know, you got your courses and all, and I immediately went to the theater. Mm -hmm. And they were in rehearsal, and they were doing Leah, a production of Leah, which they had already cast from the previous semester, mm -hmm. and started early because it was such a complex show. So when I get in there, they're rehearsing, and I asked somebody, you know, to whom do I speak? I, 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 all the parts cast. They said, yes, but there are some small parts available. To make a long story short, there was a, a gentleman had come down from New York named Basil Langton. I knew oh, yes. him. Yes. I knew him. Yeah. Very, very dramatic. And he was directing this, a guest director. And uh, I was sent to the stage manager, and they said, after we finish the scene, Mr. Langton will speak to you. So it, the scene was finished, and he said, prepare uh, something from Leah. So I, I got the script, and I. Uh, I, I took a speech, I didn't know much about it, and I, contending with the fretful elements, a scene that the gentleman says just before this, mm -hmm. before Leah goes on, on to the heath, mm -hmm. the storm. And I, I read it, so anyway, uh, the, the cast is taking a break, and I'm on this stage, and he's at the very back of the theater. Mm -hmm. Now, it, was, it wasn't a very large theater, but it was back about 60, 70 feet. And I'm on the little thrust stage, about uh, two feet off the regular stage, and I read this. And all the way from the back of the sun, now he, it was a warm day, even though it was in September, I guess. He had his shirt unbuttoned to the waist, and he had a very big kind of a Scar? muffler or something, yeah. Very dramatic. <laughs> and he walked all the way down after I finished, walked all the way down this long, it seemed to me an eternity, to get down to the end of the stage, and stood up looking up at me this way, and he said, the very first words out of his mouth were, when did you injure your voice? Oh my God! Oh, God. oh. yeah. I'd... What a beginning that was! Yeah. Oh man! <laughs> when did you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so bad. Touche. What an introduction! I got the part. Okay. <laughs>
was nine lines, I think. I, I never worked with Sir John Gilgood, but I would love to have. Yeah, so would uh, I. But I had uh, a couple of friends, uh, Ian Richardson, wow. told the most wonderful story what about working with Gilgood. And they were in rehearsal, and Gilgood wasn't called for that scene, so he was sitting over on a chair up against the wall with the N London Times crossword puzzle, which is arguably one of the most difficult in the world. Um, and he's got his pen, and he's looking at the clues, and then he just fills it in, mm -hmm. unheard of. Mm -hmm. And everyone's can't even rehearse, they're just so busy looking at him, <laughs> looking at the clue and filling it in. There's a coffee break and he puts the paper down and he gets up and he goes and he has a cup of coffee and they all rush over to see if they can find out a little bit about what it is like, you know, that day, the crossword bus. <laughs> they get there and it, it reads A, B, C, D, E, F, G. In all, in all the blanks, he has just filled in the alphabet. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's just a bright story. <laughs> but, he, but he was a, a, a crossword puzzle fiend, yes. of course. And they knew that, you know, but yeah. I, yeah. he I knew so he was funny. being watched. Oh, I love it. He, knew I he love was it. usurping the rehearsal <laughs> time. <laughs> it's wonderful to be in a play with a great actor. But it's odd being in a play with a great actor who is also the director because you feel that he might be judging you as you're acting. Yes. And it's very difficult. It's like it being be. in an audition all the time. Mm. When I was with Terrible. him in uh, after... i never uh, heard that. That's after good. Medea came uh, Crime and Punishment. Ah, yes, and I saw that. You did, you darling? Yes, I did. And, and uh, I played his sister, Dunya. He said to me one day when I was in Medea, would you like to be in a play with me? Would you like to play my sister in Crime and Punishment? You know, we, we resemble each other, you know, the noses. <laughs> so I did, and we did the play, and it failed. And he said to me, I took you out of success and put you in a failure. Would you like to go back into the success? <laughs> and, you know, I had no lines in Medea. I was a servant, I had nothing to do. He put me back in it, which was so sweet and thoughtful. But one night, it was Christmas Eve, actually, <coughs> I, <coughs> Dunya, uh, his sister, sees him after he's done the murder, and she doesn't know what he's done. And John, uh, Sir John, uh, uh, is, is on the ground from fainting, and I run over to him. And I ran over to him, as I always did, and I knelt down. But he was in a different place, so I knelt on his hand, <laughs> and I felt the bones crush. I thought I'd die. I wanted to die. And he sort of, for the rest of the play, he held his hand <laughs> like this. It was so terrible. It was so awful. What a ham. Daddy really hurt <laughs> no, himself. No, no, no. I think you I did. Use it. No. Whatever no. happens, use no, it. No, no. <laughs> Amazing, though. When you're, when you're, you know, it, there's something we've never talked of together uh, of uh, this, but it's sort of something you have to learn in the theater, which is not to criticize your fellow actor. Not, no, I'm difficult. not talking about the Very director, difficult. but, you know, and if someone is doing something that's driving you mad, you're supposed to go to the stage manager uh -huh. and say, is that the correct thing, or whatever, whatever, yes. you know, make it. No. Because otherwise, you have this strange feeling that while you're acting, a critic is watching you. Mm. And it's, uh, you know, the freedom of being able to do what you've rehearsed and and just picking it up from the other actor is so wonderful. But the minute it becomes a critic, it's hard to do, isn't mm. it? Mm. It doesn't happen very often. But I wonder how the young actors learn this. Because sometimes a very young actor will just tell you something to do. But do they care? Well, uh, do, uh, are, yeah. are they thinking ahead? Do they really care? I don't. I know. don't think they know what what, what Marion well, no. knows. But there's sort of a, sort of a way of behaving in the theater, you know. No, and also the other thing about no way to learn good. it, darling. No. no way to learn it. No, yeah. except in the theater, yes. right? And uh, well, okay. well, they're all gearing up for television and movies. I know. 
I know. <coughs> when you go in to audition for mm -hmm. a part, mm -hmm. do you try to figure out what the director wants, or no. do you try to do what you want to do? Me. Mm. I, I, try to s I try to see what comes up in the script for me mm -hmm. and do that. Mm -hmm. Because the th one thing you do learn f through a long life of experience is that uh, that's all you've got. And when you're young, you don't trust that what you've got is enough. People say, well, just jo uh, George Cukor once said to me, I'm going to give you some very important uh, direction, Mary, and I gave it to Kate Hepburn. Only do what you do. <laughs> and you think, yes, but what if that's not good enough? You see, well, now we do what we do. We bring what we've got to the, to the table, so to speak. But I think in the beginning, it's hard to trust yourself. Did I speak too quickly when I said I do what I want to do? It's not because how do you know what the director wants? The director probably hasn't even spoken to you. Some assistant has said, come on in Quite here. Quite often, he doesn't know what he wants. No, that's true, too. So the thing They're is, if you go too. in <clears throat> and, and you present something that's right. viable, right. Uh, you can get the part, and it cannot be what he thought it it was going mm, to be exactly, in the first place. Yeah. Exactly. But, oh, this is better. Yeah. So, or more interesting. Yeah. I think that's. Well, that, that so. relieves me because I think I so agree with. Tell your boy. Yeah, so do I. That's yeah. what I've always said. I, and I think it has to do with um, the, the uh, kind of a, uh, an essential of all art, which is we all have something that we. Makes us unique. Yes, that we have something that we want to say that that is that is that is part of us, and uh, that's why if if I played Lear, it would be different than if Phil played Lear. My association with Lear's, I've been connected to five productions. The first one I staged managed, oh. and I got I was got notices by all of the all of the critics. It was done at the. Cafe, you know where Cafe Y is down on McDougal Street, a little teeny theater? Yes. This was the Shakespeare rights. Phil Lawrence directed. Oh, I remember that group. And, uh, and every critic said the stage manager had a heavy hand on the thunder sheet. <laughs> <laughs> Why were you reviewed? <laughs> Why not? And then I played, I played the King of France. It, Bernie Gersten saw me sitting up there one day, watching him one day, and they, they were having trouble with that production. It was one that Phil, that, uh, that Joe Papp directed. And I, so I was in that. And then I directed a, 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 a Lear up in Seattle, which nobody liked, the entire script. And you believe me, you can forget it in a hurry. I don't know a word from it now. And, uh, and got halfway through rehearsal in one, and the other one I, uh, I, I had to drop out before the rehearsal. So I've never. I never got a chance to do it. I have an interesting association with uh, <coughs> the Leah. <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> I played it up at Stratford in Connecticut with Morris Konofsky. Mm. That's famous Lear. Oh, he was wonderful. He was Remarkably wonderful. Remarkably good I saw Lear. It. He was I wonderful. He really was. And uh, he played, as it, as it turns out, he, I, I was there for several years, and he lived right adjacent to the town. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He lived up, uh, I can't remember the name of the town. And he played like three or four times up, up, at, uh, mm -hmm. up at Stratford, Connecticut, before it finally hit, hit the ground. And the people who had seen it after said he got slower and slower <laughs> and slower. <laughs> and he started off slowly. You can measure what it must have been by, yeah. you know. It's a, it's a, it, to sustain that role, I mean, yeah, I he was wonderful. Build, s sustaining but, it, but it's, it's exhausting. It is. It, just, it must you be. Start here, and he was in his, he was in his 60s too when he, when he first wow. began it. But then I played it at Lincoln Center with Lee J. Cobb. Oh, I saw that wow. too, darling. And Lee is a wonderful man, but he was a terribly good Lear. But me and my enthusiasm to meet Lee J. Oh, Cobb. Of course. I remember meeting him in the hall when we were just beginning rehearsals and mentioning that I just had I'd played Kent, and I played Kent with Cobb as well. When Morris kind of not realizing the difficulty of the, the McCarthy period, and said, I, you know, I just did it up at Stratford with, uh, I'm sure you're aware of it, because I knew they were together in the group theater mm. uh, with uh, Morris Kanowski. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I'm playing it with you, and I, but, you know, I made that connection. And I didn't realize that, you know, all of the history of, of their difficulty. Well, 
apparently um, there was a falling out in the McCarthy period. Mm -hmm. Between the, them? Be, between my, Morris oh, and, wow. and Lee. I didn't know about that. Because one of them blew the whistle and the other one, I, I won't oh. leave it up to you to figure which was which. But they were like father and son. Mm -hmm. And I, I put my foot in it, but I'm totally on the I had no idea. I was terribly embarrassed when he told me about it. It's interesting about, I mean, we're talking about a great actor, Lee yes. Jacob, oh, dear. And, and, and that he did not fulfill the Lear too, too well. Well, he didn't but, have the but, size for it. No, but I'm going to say something, a wonderful phrase that Ruth Gordon used to say. She used to say, he hasn't lived his life to play that part. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Well, may, you may, see, may, may, we all adore Shakespeare, mm -hmm. and we, we, we think we're ready to do it if we get the chance. But I think that the casting is odd, Lee J. For Lee, yeah. yeah. You're right. So that I always did, but I wondered. I, I, didn't, I didn't know. I, I never read the reviews on it, but I, it always occurred to the same thing that you said. It but you want to like see the odd actor yeah. in a play, Indeed. too, don't sure. you? Oh, yeah. I do. Particularly yeah. of, of the quality of car. Exactly. Did anybody know Sydney Walker? Oh, yes, indeed, Sydney indeed. Was the, was the Lear in the, oh. in, the, in the production that I stage managed. Oh, my goodness. And the stage was this little teeny that stage. That was Ellis Rapp's production, wasn't it? No, this was Phil Lawrence directed. Oh. And it was for the Shakespeare rights, and Donald Goldman was the producer, and he had never designed it. He just bought this theater that still smelled like a, uh, the, the horse stable that it had been. And it was a tiny little place, and he had designed this set that was massive in, the, in its look. It, the, and the stage looked like the whole production took place in the castle privy. And, <laughs> you couldn't, and, an and when, he, when he'd play ball winds and crackers, he, he couldn't lift his head, he had to put them out here, or he hit the ceiling. But, but Sidney was slightly mad. He and, was. And, and his mad scenes, I mean, literally, he had a, you know, his mad scenes were so extraordinary. Oh I've God. never been able to read oh. Lear. Oh, my uh, God. I got to know him quite well. Cause he was, he was the, a wonderful guy. With, with wonderful guy. I, was, I, was, I was a stage manager. I was the world's worst stage manager that ever existed. Because I was sitting there back there, and I had a lightning man who I was supposed to be giving the cues to. But when we get to the last uh, part of the play, I'd, I'd start skipping ahead and crying. And I'm not paying any attention to the actors or, or the cues or anything, and the lighting man is just taking the cues, but that, that was my, and I hit in the thunder sheets. <laughs> but you see, you weren't meant to be a stage no, manager. No, not at all. I, I was not born. meant to be a prop girl. I was a prop girl in a summer theater. And we were doing Alice in Wonderland, and I forgot to put the teapot on in the tea party. <laughs> so I found a, 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 what do you call it? A Plastic container. No, 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 no. <laughs> I found the teapot, and I found a, a stick, and I pushed it on. Oh. I thought it was very Lewis Carroll. <laughs> oh, God, when you, when, you, when you don't do something uh, that you're supposed to do, <laughs> And help the other actors. I well, thought I. the scene is entirely I about wanted, the play. Yes, I wanted well, to leave the theater. I was supposed to want to ask a question. Well, actually, this, uh, my next question was going to be was there ever a time for any of you when you considered a career other than acting? No, 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 never, no, never, no, never, 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 never. Well, it's speak such for a yourself. wonderful <laughs> life. Oh, you did? Well, there was a time when I was known to imbibe a bit. Oh, no. Uh, you. <laughs> <laughs> she knows me, but <laughs> I, I don't anymore and haven't for years. But I, I used, hangovers were just part of the morning for mm -hmm. me. And I can remember bitching and complaining an awful lot. And my wife finally one morning when I had a terrible hangover and I said, I just, I'm, and she said, listen, if I will, if you want to do something else with your life, I will support you. Oh. And that, that was all I, all I needed, because the minute she said that, of course, I thought, of course I don't want to do no. anything else. 
I, I, that, that, that ended my, my short yeah. moments of thinking of doing anything else. It was, was a short morning hangover. But we are so lucky, we aren't are. we, to do to what that. we love. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Most people to say don't that. Yeah. get yes. to do what they love. <laughs> you had to pick and the thought up. I was yes, thinking of course. the very same thing. I think we all yeah. feel that way, yeah. that we, we are so fortunate that we found this yeah. to make a life. And early on, too. Yes. And yeah. early on, yeah. too, and that here we are, four people with different lives, and we're like a family because we adore what we, we do. We must have together, must be what, uh, of almost 200 years? Yeah. Close to it. Yes. I don't mean that it's age. True. I mean, yeah, uh, no, uh, no, uh, absolutely. And yeah. age. <laughs> well, we are our bodies, a certain age where we our bodies of war. Have, 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 <laughs> talk about bodies of 40 work. or 50 years in the theater. Yes, yeah. I have. Yeah, for we sure. all have. I think. 60 for me. Yeah. Well, I didn't know one or two. <laughs> yeah. I started very Nice, early. isn't it? Yes. And I started late. <laughs> How many, what, could you get another four actors in New York now who could say the same thing? No, I, when, I heard, when I heard who was going to be on this panel, I thought, I, there are only a few people that, I, I, I've always, you know, I think, nobody's been around as long as I have. <laughs> and then I thought, I'd love, wait a minute. There <laughs> are four people that I know and worked with, and they're all there. Go back a long time. Uh, and I've been associated with all of you too. It's, I'm, I'm, I'm amazed. You're right. It's, it's an extraordinary business to be in. And yeah. I think I could answer it one way and say that if I weren't an actress, I would just love to be something where I could go to the theater because mm -hmm. when I've got a theater ticket, if I'm not in a play. I'm happy all day long. Mm -hmm. And I don't, don't go to judge the play. I go to see the play. Not to have an opinion about it, but to be there. And, and I think we feel... You are the most wonderful audience. You Am know I? that, don't you? I hope so. You, when you always come back and you are filled with whatever was good about... Oh, yes. ...what you saw. Oh, Not, yes. Well, darling, well, she's you know, poor thing. She's famous for She that. is famous yes. for it. And, but, it's, but it comes from such a truth inside you. Absolutely. Absolutely. That you just love whatever. There's, there's one thing, if may I take this Anything. privilege of, of Anything. making a criticism yes. of you? You must really stop genuflecting in public. <laughs> Oh, it's no good anymore. <laughs> well, you see, darling, I can't get up anymore, so I don't do it anymore. You'll be delighted. Just from the waist. And it's a wonderful feeling, but we want to... <laughs> We've all been lucky enough this. to receive that genuflection. Well, there's something very Elizabethan. Yes. There's something very Elizabethan about me. Yes. Oh, this isn't the Elizabethan era. Well, it still is. It still is somewhere. Somewhere it is in me. No. What do you do to keep the excitement and the passion every day going into going into you know a show, your show that night? Oh, that brought us to a grinding halt, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, it did. Uh, I don't start getting excited really until I start to go to the theatre, and then it sort of starts to bubble. And, and, and uh, that doesn't go away ever. That hasn't. Not if it's something I'm having a blast doing. No, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's more difficult to, uh, as they say, get it up uh, when it, you, it's not a play that you're enjoying or... The, the most important thing for me is making sure I get into New York City in time to get to the theater. Because yeah. I live in suburban New Jersey. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's always the most difficult problem to solve. Yeah. Make sure you leave. So I have to come to the theater, except matinee days, of course, much earlier than they ordinarily would yeah. for fear of getting caught in the of traffic course. and then getting tightened up, you know. Of course. So that's a very practical thing for me. But you're a very concentrated actor. I mean, uh, when, you, when you're on stage, it, it's, um, at least the sense that I get is that uh, it all comes together, must, I don't know whether you do it 15 minutes before or five minutes before, whatever. When, you, when I see you working, you're right in that particular role. Uh, and uh, I never, I never worry about um, you being out of character. Or you know, some some actors I get annoyed yeah. with because they, they, uh, they, they their performance seems fractured or something <clears throat> to me. I remember thinking that about George Scott one time, mm. which kind of hurt me to see it. 
-hmm. We were, I was doing something at <clears throat> Lincoln Center. He was uh, Little Foxes, I think, a whole uh -huh. star cast. And I remember watching from the wings, you know, playing Lincoln Center. You could sit outside, you know, there were two ramps down at just by the preceding arch. And I remember watching him, and he happened to be blocked in this particular scene, and he was joking with the audience. He was what? Fooling with the audience. Oh. During the scene in which he was present, but he wasn't particularly, you know, and I, I it shocked the hell out of me. He was actually. I can't believe it. I, I know it's true. If you and you know, he's he, there's an actor that I've worked with, who it when he wants, when he's content, when he does what he does, it look he, night after night. I did a two character show with him. There, I remember when you, that. Yeah, a two, Temple in the Square. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Autumn Boys. Yeah, of he course. played he played Huck Finn, old Huck Finn. Who uh, uh, murdered his wife, and uh, and I played Tom Sawyer, who was kind of a pedophile, never gotten over Becky Thatcher. I remember that show. <laughs> yeah. But but George could, when when he when he were really into a role, no matter how many times he played it, it looked as if he'd never done it before. Yeah, absolutely. And you could be right on looking him, you know, you could look right in his eyes, and you think. I, I, I've been bored. He didn't do it, I, I, and it was always the same performance. Hmm. But I, I didn't mean to, to indicate. Oh, I was just shocked. No, but I, he's the that, fact that he, he dropped out. He's a fractured actor. He was a fractured actor. And you know, it, it, it was caught me. I said, "What the hell is he doing?" Yeah. It was a thrust stage. You know, there are people right there, yeah. and I couldn't help but see him because you know I was down here and watching, and there he was. The scene is going on over there, and he was doing something with the audience. I couldn't. Well, it stuck with an, me because it was so uncharacteristic, you know, he, of a prominent he, actor like that to do such a thing. He had a funny relationship with. He, he was, may be on the uh, source with, uh, he, with, uh, yeah, he, with the audience. I'm sorry. He had a kind of a funny relationship with the audience sometimes. Did he? I, I know that he would, he would, at the end of the first act, which is you, he would make some kind of a comment if he didn't like the audience. You can laugh now, or he would say. <laughs> yeah. What's one quality you would recommend an actor have oh. today? Gosh. Well, when an actor was certainly asked how, uh, what, what particular quality was needed for King Lear, he said, a light Cordelia. <laughs> that's from the dresser. Yeah. I think intuitiveness, if that's the right word. Stamina. Stamina. Yes. You've got to hang in. Yes. If you can't hang in, forget it, uh -huh. because it takes a long time unless you're really unusual. And, and that doesn't, that's even after you've made it, yeah. I think. Mm. You've got it, to it's, really... It's never... It's, you, you, because you're always out of a job. That's right. You know, no matter how successful, you're, you're unemployed. Do you still worry about the next role and where it comes from? I Not anymore, I'm afraid to say, because I you don't get that often. You know where it comes from. It comes from a playwright. We know that. Mm -hmm. And I think I would say <clears throat> if you could only choose one quality, then it better be love the art, love the theater, want to be there. Right. Indeed, yeah. That goes with that saying. But you've got to be I able to handle disappointment. Yeah. Oh, yes. And you I can't think handle also it. Also, yeah. you have to be ready to diversify and not just follow something or the type of parts that you've you always played. done. I agree. Uh, um, yeah, I think I have. Uh, I, I've sort of swung with, you with what has come, come my way. Mm -hmm. And I think that's good, as opposed to waiting for mm -hmm. a part that never comes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Finding out what mm -hmm. you might be able to bring to something different. Mm -hmm. So both the term... So both determination and flexibility, it yes. sounds like. It's a tough grind, but if you, if you love it, there's nothing else. No. There's I nothing think, else for you. And I think that we find out as we grow older that other people's lives, not necessarily theater lives or actors' lives, are very like ours. There's no profession where it's easy. It's not supposed to be easy. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. No, that's one thing I, I learned uh, from watching other good actors. Yes. Phil included, and Richard Burton, and Bob Preston, yeah, yeah. and those kind of people. Uh, it, 
gradually began to dawn on me that they are working a lot harder uh, and, and it takes a lot more energy than they let on. Or at you least bet. The, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. It, it takes a lot. It takes a lot of guts to play big roles and play them well. Yes. And, and keep the attention of the audience. Yeah, absolutely. It's, yeah. and, uh, it's tough. It's tough. Did you just but, say you know, Bob <coughs> Kosky's name? No, I said Bob Preston. Preston. Oh, Bob Preston. Yeah. Oh, yes. Prosky was a, a lovely actor. Yeah, I lost track of I, I wanted to say very quickly yes. that the last uh, of these wonderful seminars I did, he was on it. Oh, and he was such a wonderful guest, and everything he said was so connected to the real life of an actor, how you make a life and how you pay for it, and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Not yeah. my dreamy Elizabethan life. And I was so impressed with him, and I, I'd love to pay him a little tribute from all four of us. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes, indeed. Thank you. I think that's a great place for us to wrap up our discussion. Thank you, all four of you, for joining us. Thank you. And thank, thank you, you for joining us. These programs are brought to you from the Graduate Center of the City University of New York in partnership with our friends at CUNY TV. On behalf of the American Theatre Wing, I'm Gordon Cox, and thank you for joining us for another edition of Working in the Theatre. I'm Ted Chapin, Chairman of the American Theatre Wing. The Wing has played a vital role in New York's theatrical life for more than 60 years. Best known for creating the Tony Awards, we stand for excellence, but we also support education in the theatre, and our work reaches beyond Broadway in New York. The Working in the Theatre television programs, which are supported by the Annenberg Foundation and the Dorothy Strelson Foundation, are unequaled forums for discussions with today's most creative artists. Downstage Center's in-depth radio interviews were created in conjunction with XM Satellite Radio and can be heard on our website. Our annual theater company grants support New York not-for-profits and since they began have distributed nearly $3 million. We are also pleased to be the home of the Jonathan Larson grants which support emerging composers and lyricists. For people who are starting their careers, we have a two-week boot camp for aspiring actors from colleges across the country called Springboard NYC. And our theater intern group provides a forum for young people who are starting their careers to build a professional network. All of the American Theater Wing's educational and media programs are available for free on demand from our website, americantheaterwing.org. Thanks for your interest in the Wing, and thanks for watching. Thank you.